All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So it's almost like that game that I play when I go out to a restaurant with my husband and we watch people and we try to predict what we think their life really is. Yeah, but just to pretend you and your husband were God and you already <laughs> knew everything <laughs> and your guesses were really good. If you think about what Facebook knows about that couple, they know a lot more, right? They know all their past. They know all their friends. They know which friends probably set them up. Facebook has a lot of information it's using to make these guesses. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is a special episode that we are doing with our friends at ProPublica. We are helping them launch a big and important project. They need your input to make it work, listeners. So um, I want to introduce you to Julia Angwin. She is the award-winning investigative journalist who tackles privacy issues at ProPublica. Her latest book was Dragnet Nation. Maybe you read it. Maybe you heard her on another show here at WNYC. In any case, though, she is a wonderful woman, and she is sitting here in the studio with me. Hi, Julia. So great to be here. Okay. So broad brushstrokes. Tell us what you and your team are up to now. So we are investigating algorithms in our daily life, which sounds really wonky, (laughs) but is really important. So most people's experience of the algorithm that shapes their lives is the Facebook news feed, which sort of sorts out your friends' posts and you see the ones that Facebook thinks are most likely to resonate with you. But algorithms affect all parts of our lives. So the reason why, just to be clear about why we call them black box algorithms is because Let's go back to the example we're going to use for the show, Facebook. They're not like, Julia, oh, you're doing another one of your projects. Here's one of our algorithms. And it's not because of proprietary reasons, because if they if they tell people what goes in the secret sauce, then they're out of business. Yeah, most of these algorithms are trade secrets. The companies have intellectual property around them. They can defend them in court, and they are not going to release them because that's what makes their product better than their competitors. And so the only way to look at them is from the outside. That's the way it's called like a black box. So you can see the inputs and you can see the outputs, but you can't see what magic is happening inside the black box. And so what we try to do is look at the inputs, look at the outputs and say, okay, all we can say is it looks like weird stuff is coming out of here. (laughs) We can't say why. We can't say that you intended it that way. All we can say is we looked at the outcomes and it looked biased. When it's something as important as choosing what news you see or what friends you make or things like that that are really important to our democracy, they should be held to some sort of standard. That's the beauty of algorithms is actually in theoretically they could be more accountable. We could hold them to a higher standard. We could make the world a fairer place. That's why they're great. The problem is we're not holding them to those standards. And so you and your team have come up with an experiment. Is experiment the right word to use? Yeah, it's an experiment. Okay. That you need people to take part in, right? Yes. 
And um, let's dive in. How does this work and what is it exactly? So basically, this is as a tool that you can add to your web browser. So you just click add extension if you've ever added an extension to your web browser. It's Any just, web browser? Does it need to be a certain browser? It works with the Google Chrome web browser. So you add the extension to your Chrome browser. Yes. And then what happens? What does it do? What it does is it pulls up the page that's sort of buried in your Facebook settings that shows you what Facebook says it knows about you, which is your ad preferences page. What would you learn when you go there? Well, first of all, you'd learn that they know a lot about you. There are three types of categories they have. There's one that is just pages you liked. And so it says you have this interest because you liked a page like this. There's just basic demographics that are drawn from your profile. And then there's these inferred interests, which are not described that way, but they are clearly just based on some sort of synthesis of information about you. It says based on your behavior on Facebook. And so we don't really know what behavior led to it. So we've asked people to rate the what Facebook says about them. So they can give it, actually, we've given it the Facebook emojis. So you can choose um, thumbs up. When in Rome. <laughs> yes, exactly. When we've been showing this to people, they get really mad about things that are wrong. And so I'm going to be interested to see what people respond to. Because what I've noticed in general is these things tend to be either spookily accurate or spookily inaccurate. <laughs> and why do you think they get mad? I think there's something about just being categorized wrong. It's like, you don't really love me. You don't even know me, you know? <laughs> so true. And yet when they do nail it, that also makes you mad because you're yes. like, wait a minute. It's kind of like a bad relationship. Yeah, either way. You lose either way. They know you and you're mad. You're like, you creepy, invasive stalker. Yeah. And then they don't know you. You're like, where's the love? Right. At the end of the day, are we talking about ad dollars? I mean, is that it? Like, that is the bottom line? This is all in the name of ad dollars? For Facebook, yes. It's definitely all about ad dollars. You don't pay Facebook for the service they give you. And they make all their money by monetizing your behavior. And so they need to give advertisers the best possible view of you in order to lure them to their platform instead of Google or some other platform. And Facebook does probably have one of the best views of people because, as I mentioned, they have everything you ever did on Facebook. They have everything, a lot of things you do off Facebook. And then I didn't mention yet, but they do buy data broker information from people like uh, Experian, Axiom, big data brokers that have offline files about you, your mortgage, what car you drive, property records. So they also buy data about you and add that to their files. So they have one of the most complete records of your online and offline life, probably of anyone that an advertiser could try to reach out to. So from what you're saying, though, they really do potentially know their user's better than their users know themselves? I mean, only Facebook can see the yes. relationship that you've decided to get a 15-year mortgage and you also subscribe to the nation. Like, they can connect dots in ways like, like you don't know what that means, but to them, they're like, aha, that means he's more likely to buy a Toyota next year or whatever, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. That's right. But Th it's not a, everything. Uh, so the weird thing is, if you look at the list of what they offer advertisers, it says things like, you can advertise to people who just put a car in the last week and you can advertise to people with, you know, this much property and mortgage and this much of, you know, all these things. When you look at your Facebook page where they tell you what they know about you, it's nowhere near that granular. 
it's very basic. Like, oh, you liked some pages about Susie and the Banshees and 10,000 Maniacs <laughs> and you embarrassing. Um, logged in from an iPhone and then you had an Android and then you went back to the iPhone. <laughs> and then um, but they have if you dig through the menu, they do have a few categories that are basically the inferred data, which is where they've made a guess about you. So, for instance, one thing that we've been laughing about at ProPublica is that a lot of people in our office who are not African-American are labeled by Facebook as having, quote, African-American affinity, (laughs) which I don't know what that means. (laughs) So they have these rankings, which are kind of buried in their menus, that make some guesses about you. And they don't tell you how they made those guesses. And so what we have built is a tool that surfaces those guesses so that you don't have to dig through the menus and you can use our tool to see what kind of things Facebook is saying about you. So one of my colleagues was given this inferred thing from Facebook that said he was interested in American Jewish culture, had a little picture of Joe Lieberman for some unknown reason, and uh, he, symbol of all things, <laughs> symbol of Judaism, Jewish American, I guess. And is your colleague Jewish? I mean, not that it matters, but like, is he? No, he's not actually. Okay, so let's say somebody listening is like, and so what? Who cares that like he is interest? Maybe he is interested in Jewish American. What does it matter? Yeah, it might not matter. It's just that it does seem weird to be categorized that way and you don't know how it's going to be used eventually. And I have to say like I think a year ago before Donald Trump was the Republican nominee, I might have poo-pooed this more and yet this election has had so many uncomfortable racist overtones that you start to have a little bit of a peek into the dystopian future that doesn't seem as sci-fi as it might have been. Does that sound really pessimistic and horrible? My children asked me if we were going to have to leave the country if Donald Trump won because they said, Mommy, we're brown. Wow. And they are. My husband's Indian. And uh, I was like, well, that's really disturbing that they're thinking that, right? Incredibly disturbing. Yeah. But I think that a better way to think about this that doesn't take us so far afield is just to look at the past, which is that data about people's religion in particular and lots of sensitive topics has almost always been abused. I mean, this is a truth. Um, In Australia, they used census data to round up the aboriginals. And in the U.S., we used it to round up Japanese into internment camps. So there's a lot of legacy of sensitive data being abused by governments. Well, will Facebook share this data with the government? Probably if they're compelled to. I'm not saying it's being abused now, and it may not ever be. But what is interesting about it is that it's really sensitive data, and there's no oversight. We don't know how they came up with this data, and we also don't know what they're going to do with it. And we're one of the only Western nations that doesn't have laws to oversee commercial data collectors. So most Western countries have some form of blanket privacy protections that basically say if a commercial data gatherer has information about you, they must show it to you and they must allow you to correct it if it's wrong and oftentimes give you an option to remove it. But there's I don't think there's really a prospect of regulation in this country right now. The Obama administration has actually several times tried to propose what they call a privacy bill of rights, yeah. but it has gone nowhere in Congress. So there, it doesn't seem like a real active threat of any legislation. Is it hyperbole to say that Facebook is compiling the most complete 
consumer profile that has ever existed? I think that is probably true. This is fascinating. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back... They know every time you've logged in, they know every device, so they actually know kind of where you live and work, probably, and your phone. Um, And then they actually also know a lot about what you do off Facebook. We're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi. This is Note to Self. And ProPublica's hotshot investigative reporter, Julia Angwin, is here with me. Hello again, Julia. Hello. More than 40% of Americans get their news from Facebook. This is according to Pew earlier this year. And yet Mark Zuckerberg has also said that Facebook is a technology company, not a media company. And I guess as proof of that, they recently laid off 26 uh, news editors and curators. And so now engineers oversee the news algorithm. You know, the algorithm that chooses which items you see in your Facebook newsfeed is just like the editorial directors who made the decision of what would go on the six o'clock news or on the front page of the newspaper, right? It's just that it's been taken over by a computer program, but that doesn't mean it's not a judgment or a decision. It's still a decision that's being made. And in some ways, the debate about algorithms is really the same debate we had about media, and it used to be called fairness. We think of algorithms, or at least most of us do, as being incredibly fair, but actually some of the research you've done has shown the opposite. Yeah. The problem is that math, which is what algorithms really are, is, of course, itself neutral. But it's a question of what you ask the math to do. So the math itself is not necessarily at fault. It's the people who created and failed to test their algorithm to see whether it resulted in a biased outcome. Mm. I think we have to ask a question to ourselves now if Google and Facebook are really the same level of gatekeeper because so many people get their news filtered through those two platforms – Do they have an obligation to fairness? I don't think it's a legal obligation, but it's something that as a society we chose to do as a moral obligation on gatekeepers in the past. And I think really the debate about algorithms in some ways comes down to that. Now, I have a confession to make at this point. I have decided um, as of now not to have a personal Facebook account. I am on Facebook as a journalist, but I cannot friend people. And part of the reasons... I'm not on it is because of the privacy question. And, you know, frankly, just the term alone, black box, does sound nefarious. Now, I know I'm in the minority. I'm like the one freak who doesn't know what all her high school friends, how many children they all have. But um, you and me together. (laughs) Is that what happens when people find out when they know too much about Facebook? (laughs) There is some of that. You know, the more you know about what Facebook knows about you, the creepier it can seem, for sure. They know, by the way, everyone you friended and unfriended. They know every time you've logged in. They know every device. So they actually know kind of where you live and work, probably, and your phone. Um, And then they actually also know a lot about what you do off Facebook because all the pages that have a like button on them, Mm. they can see you there. So they can tell that you went to this place and that place on the web and bring that back into their dossier about you. What about if you don't like something? Do they still know? Oh, yeah. Even if you don't click it, they know. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Now, what are you going to do with this information that you get? 
we're going to look at it and see what it shows us. You know, it's going to be pretty unscientific. This is not like some sort of statistically accurate sample. It's going oh, to be- we love semi-scientific stuff <laughs> <Okay>. research here. <laughs> so that's totally fine with us. But I think the point is, though, to get as many people as possible yes. to, to sort of get in there, really take a look around, really think. Think about yes. what face, not just be like, oh, it's such a bummer, but yep. to really think about it and really reflect on what you are putting into this platform and, and what what how it's being synthesized. Yes. Right. And we we want people to tell us, like, they got this thing crazy wrong and this thing crazy right. And then at the end, I feel a better or worse about it. Right. And how it changes their relationship to the platform. Have you told Facebook you're doing this? Uh, no, we haven't mentioned it to them. <laughs> um, we will. Yeah, we'll tell them. But it doesn't do anything that we believe violates any of their terms of service. I mean, do you think that their reaction will be, and we'll follow up with you, that they would say, you know, actually, we are pretty transparent. You just have to know where to look. Yeah, that's probably going to be their reaction. And that's true. I think the problem is that people have very little patience for these menus and going deeper and deeper into them to find the more interesting things. But we want to show the sort of juicier stuff. I wonder if that will bring some closure. And I'm not saying like to end your relationship with Facebook, but maybe to have more peace. Yes. I do think that like understanding brings peace, right? People write to me all the time because I, you know, write about privacy and they're like, I just don't understand why this ad is following me around. And it's so weird and it has to do with my mother's illness. And and just knowing, even though it's still outrageous, yeah, does make people feel better. It's a funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> so weird that we have to like go to therapy for a relationship with our tech. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's keeping us in business here, Julia. <laughs> All right. So where should people go to take part? How do they get this extension for their browser? Uh, it's going to be at ProPublica.org backslash black box. Okay. You got that? ProPublica.org slash black box. And of course, we want to hear any anecdotes you do come up with. Send us an email or leave a note in the comments, note to selfradio.org, or the email address is note to self at wnyc.org. We will be on Facebook and on Twitter with ProPublica at note to self at ProPublica at Julia Angwin. Yep. So you can talk to us about what you find, what you don't find, whether you're angry or angry <laughs> or happy. I don't know. Maybe we will find a couple of happy people. I'm so curious to know. Yeah. And meanwhile, Julia Anklin, thank you so much for being here. That's so great to be here. Okay, so keep us updated. Let us know what you find out about yourself. <laughs> or what Facebook thinks it knows about you and let us know and let ProPublica know. Many thanks to ProPublica, to Julia Angwin for working with us on this, for coming here and telling us about the very important work that they are doing. Hard to believe that they're one of the few people actually looking into how these algorithms are changing our lives every single day. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Megan Cunane and Mithley Rao for their help this week. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Summer and thank you so much for listening.